0: Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Uh, Today, I'm talking with uh, Gail Bradbrook. the co-founder and one of the movers of Extinction Rebellion. It's an international non-violent rebellion against inaction on the ecological crisis confronting humans. Well, actually all species. It's a brilliant, it's a powerful, and I think it's a just movement. Gail, welcome.
1: Oh, hi Mark, it's nice to be here.
0: Well, I've been an admirer of the Extinction Rebellion for uh, uh, as long as I can, I think it's been around. And I think the question for us that we're facing these days is, is it going to be enough? Are these kinds of actions going to move people? Uh, My college buddies, for example, they're middle class. They're minding their own business, trying to get along in in a world that's getting a little tougher for everybody, uh, economically and environmentally. How can we inspire their support?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think I first of all talk about the data that says We need about 3.4% of the population to wake up and get in active rebellion to to make this thing work. So we, you know, that's Eric Chenoweth's data. I think it's a mixture in terms of getting people involved between inspiring. You know, I think some of the actions we've done have looked super cool. They felt super cool. They've felt very heartfelt and beautiful and moving. And uh, when people watch that, they want to be part of that. But I think it's also for all of us about shaking ourselves out of our complacency. And I had my own version of that uh, in April last year. So it's not that long ago. And I was part of the environmental movement. I suppose what I say to people is you're not going to get a choice at some point. So for me, this movement is about addressing government inaction, And it's also getting us together actively to be thinking and facing these times the um, the historical the, you know the historical precedent is that civilizations collapse and many credible commentators say that's where we're heading and it could come really soon so people are just not going to get a choice soon
0: yeah well I mean it seems uh, that it seems the conversation on the other side of the pond say in the United States is is coming at it from the equality ed- inequality angle more than the environmental angle but the way i see it uh, gail is is a lot of my friends uh, whom whom i love but just don't see themselves as part of any of these movements Uh, you know they don't link it to their life and they don't or or if they see the dangers they don't prioritize it so they're they're thinking about you know uh, donations to cancer charities or donations to the opera thinking that that's the answer or, or they're just plain afraid how do you get how do you get them off the bench? I mean, do we need them? You say three point four percent. What does that mean? Is are you saying we don't need most folks to join up in this kind of movement to have some success? And if not, uh, how do we shake off the complacency amongst legislators and leaders, political, business, spiritual, and otherwise?
1: Sure, sure. I mean, uh, your civil rights movement when it was at its most active had about one percent of the population in active participation. And uh, when you study moments of change, Erica Chenoweth did about 332, I think, it seems like about up to 3.4% of the population need to be engaged. So I think it's a useful figure because it's a way of not getting so freaked out about our friends and family who have got their heads in the sand. And when something's really frightening, it's a human reaction. But some of us need to be upstanders and not bystanders. And... You know, looking at things like the wildfires that you're you know, having uh, in North America, what you're seeing is uh, net carbon sinks turning into carbon producers. I, I can't remember the figures, but I think the California wildfires have, 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 have created a, an entirely huge amount of carbon on, on your footprint. And, you know, normally you see the forest as sinks. Maybe, here's here's the, perhaps the most sobering fact, because I do think some people do need a bit of a shake up. The the amount of carbon that we're releasing into the atmosphere is greater than during the Permian mass extinction, which is one of the mass extinctions that have happened. uh, We're in the sixth one already, and there have been five before. That that one was the worst one. Uh, We believe the mechanism was that the the Earth heated so rapidly that it released a load of methane, which kills off a load of life that releases a load of hydrogen sulfide gas, and then people get gassed, and 97% of life died. Um, that sounds really alarmist and extremist, <laughs> right? To be talking about things like that. Except it happened. So there have been five mass extinctions, all all, uh, all related to carbon dioxide. Uh, the, the dinosaurs and the and the asteroid had a carbon dioxide effect. Somebody told me the other day. But so, so and civilizations do collapse under strain. You know. So the so the thing is, what we're looking at right now is an what many say is an inevitable collapse of civilization because of the mm. pressures. So. The, uh, we're, we're, we're relying on this civilization on economic growth, and for every degree of warming, you lose at least one percent economic growth. So do the maths. You know, Trump's administration said you're heading for four degrees of warming, so you're heading for no uh, economic growth. There's one collapse. Um, never mind you know there are, there are some estimates that put up to one in nine people in the world being in migration you know many many cities are on the coast we're looking at coastal flooding and by 2050 i'm not talking you know in centuries to come and can forget about it talking about in our lifetime and obviously you guys are getting extreme weather events uh, on a frequent basis hmm. so um you know the, 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 it, it, it is it, when there's a new book coming out which I I recommend I got to read an early volume of it called The Uninhabitable Planet David Wallace Wells He's written I think for the New York Times and it's a real get real moment reading books like that this is if he points out in there to to, to talk about this stuff in the way that we need to you end up using language that sounds really biblical you can't (laughs) find the right words for it it's so huge and I think that Many of our friends are hoping that climate change and the ecological crisis is something that's happening to somebody else, somewhere else, at some other time. And it's increasingly going to be happening to those of us that have got middle class, let's say, white privilege and all the rest of it.
0: It's increasingly
1: going to be happening to us and to our children. So um, there's an inequality issue here. uh, But also, uh, giving people their, you know, desire to be selfish about it be selfish and look at the legacy and even for your children it's horrific
0: yeah yeah i normally have a lot of fun in these interviews but i couldn't actually swallow my coffee when you said ninety, ninety-seven 97 uh extinction of of life on the planet okay so you've scared me and I, I think if people are listening and they're probably scared now too so l- let's flip it around uh in In some of your work i 've noticed you said there's kind of like four c's you know you have to become conscious, uh, you have to start coordinating action, you have to consolidate uh, your views together and and then you have to be confrontational so it is are those the sort of steps that pe- we need to get that three or four percent of people to take before action will will actually uh, start having an impact and then the second question is you know say we 're successful in that. What are the kinds of policies? Uh, we need to see, assuming that my buddies are not going to get off the couch and do the change themselves.
1: Yeah, um, yeah thank you. So, I, I just want to say one other thing about the extinction piece because okay. it is a very frightening thing, and obviously, that's not kind of guaranteed science there or anything. It's just a possibility, <laughs> and just looking at the carbon level there. But there was a paper uh, in 2017, it got more publicity last year in PNAS um, from Ramanathan and Zoo where they said they had a, what we had a 1 in 20 chance of human extinction in our children's lifetime. And they were only looking at some causal factors. They said you wouldn't put your child on the plane knowing it had a 1 in 20 chance of coming down. So that's mainstream science, right? Anyway, moving on from that, in terms of the four C's, if you like, I think there's been a lot of consciousness raising around climate and ecological crisis. People know about it, even if they're ignoring it, you know, or even if they've chosen right. for that denial route. Um, there's certainly been a degree of uh, coordination across groups I think we've done that piece of work there's always more to do the the place where we're at now is confrontation and what we mean by that is the place where you're willing in a very beautiful it can be really heartfelt non-violent way to say enough and I think part of that saying enough to yourself you know I mean those of us that are part of Extinction Rebellion are are taking a lot of risks myself personally you know I have changed my life to make activism at the centre and I could get prosecuted for conspiracy or whatever you know I'm kind of past it in a way so be it you know there's leadership within this movement that have got that zeal if you like Um, and I say I hope say this with some humility you know but of like a Martin Luther King that goes this is worth dying for you know this is that huge and, and what we mean by confrontation then is with ourselves, you know, like, am I really? Is this? Is this what I'm going to do? Is just carry on pretending this is okay? Um, wake up, folks! Look at the science. Don't take it from me. And then the confrontation is one to the system that we're all part of. So it's not like against anybody. You, we can talk about government, but you know, democracy is um, failing, in my opinion, at the minute. I don't think we have a real democracy. And um, I, I, and but 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 if you look at the social model of power, you listen to somebody like Hannah Arendt, the power lies in the collective. So what's in the way of, of us as a collective from redesigning and creating a functioning democracy? What's what what's in the way of us coming together and saying, you know, folks, we've had enough. Because actually, all it takes, if you know, the global south is so much better at rebellions than we've ever been. <laughs> uh, and what what you know, what happens is people get on the streets and they don't leave. Uh, they don't leave until it's done. It takes two to three weeks. Uh, you, you know, the data, if you like, I'm a nerd along with my, uh, one of my co-founders, Roger Hanlon. We like looking at things from, from, from the social science perspective. And that's what it takes is people on the streets.
0: Right. then you
1: asked about, uh, so, you well, know, so that's what the, we're asking let, for. Let me, inter-
0: say, let me yeah, interject yeah, for on. half a second there, Gail. Uh, you know, and I, 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 I watched a, a presentation of yours which actually addressed this. You know, what, what happened to the 1%? I mean that was a big movement it was out there for a long time people were in the streets of new york city for quite some time and in other other cities where did that go
1: um so in terms of the occupy movement yeah or because i mean i think i think that is a as a meme as an idea that there is an elite uh we i think there's something now like 26 people who own half the world's wealth. i think right. we know that something's gone crazy there you know by the way um Um, Milton Friedman, the father of neoliberalism, said that there'd never be any harm caused because power wouldn't concentrate (laughs) because it was all going to be, you know, the free market was going to, so it failed. I, I actually think it was done in good intention and heart by a lot of neoliberal economists but they just you know let, let's admit it it just doesn't work you know and I could talk right. about why but that's well it, it's, less thing, the, but
0: it's less the issue I'm interested in uh, Gail and more about you know what was the outcome of Occupy ultimately because it seems to me that sure. it's, it's sure. not there anymore what did they what did they do right and what didn't they get right in terms of staying well, exactly stay.
1: so the, so the Extinction Rebellion uh, uh you know some of us were part of Occupy and um, we have learned from that process you know people have written books I enjoyed reading Mika White's book um, a new playbook for revolution as an example of that talk to people in that movement who've been close to that movement uh, one thing that someone said recently Daniel Thorson from the Emerge podcast was that the movement was so ready to give its power away when people got interested you know because these are you know like myself where we probably have uh, leanings towards equality and, um, and, and longings towards uh, sharing of, of, of power and wanting to mitigate for power uh, and if you just simply kind of you know open up and say right everybody's in charge then suddenly nobody's in charge so we're trying to do that with Extinction Rebellion right now we're trying to decentralize and it's taking some time you know because it has to be done well so that was one of the mistakes of the Occupy movement as I've been told it um, and I think the other one, again, as I've understood it, um, I, 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 I'm no expert on Occupy, but is that it basically had one main tactic, which was occupation. And once you've got rid of uh, people doing an occupation, then you feel like you've got rid of the movement, and the sort of energy can go. And occupations are really quite intense things to hold. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you, you'll you'll you'll, te- you'll tend to get people with with mental health issues rocking up to, to get involved, and, and and so on, and it can be. Um, you know, you know, we've all got mental health. Yeah. I, I, I you was know, thinking, I was like thinking kind of, was maybe thinking maybe of maybe my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all, we all bring that. I mean, that's another, another part, part in a movement, isn't it? It's how well we're on the in the work. But I mean, I'm sort of specifically talking about alcoholism on campus right, and things like right, that, that can, right. it can get tricky, but you know, you know so, 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 that, so we understand that there were things that Occupy opened uh, some space up and uh, uh, we've, we've tried to learn that. And, you know, Extinction Rebellion might be another wave of that. It might be something that implodes because of some things we didn't get right. But hopefully, what we could do then is hand the baton on to the next folks. We've had training from people like Carlos Saavedra in the INE Institute about momentum-driven organising. So it's a lot of nerdy stuff I'm saying there, but we've right. we've done some thinking. This has not just come out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Did you want me to talk about the um, the policies
0: and so on? Yeah, Mark? I I, I, you know, wanted, to... I wanted to get to that. Yeah. So. so
1: what we're saying in Extinction Rebellion is we don't have a set of uh, baked in solutions and uh, policies that we're pushing for. And I think it's been really, really important. And I know the countries, as they're becoming part of Exile, want to put specific policies in there. And I, we totally understand why. And I'm, I'm definitely behind certain things and less into other things. But the, the, the minute you do that, what the movement focuses on is a debate about the policies and actually it's kind of irrelevant because until you've got the political power uh the, it's just a point, uh, pointless but it's just a debate it's not it's not going to be so what you've got to do is get the political power and then which comes from the confrontation and then the consolidation piece requires a huge amount of trust actually in in democracy when it's functioning. So what we say is we want a citizens assembly that's uh, delivered by sortition, And that's when you randomly select members of the population to be on what's essentially like a jury. I don't know if it works the same way in the States, but they will sit there and then experts come with a whole pile of information about the crisis. And then a whole pile of different solutions from different groups, you know, economists, uh, agriculture people, transport people, so on. and and the jury gets to decide what what the right thing to do is, and the country has to live with that. We've had one recently in Ireland, um, on the issue of abortion, and it's um, it's a good mechanism for issues that are simply too toxic and too difficult for mainstream, you know, failed democracies to deal with.
0: Right, right. I mean, I mean, this is preoccupying a lot of people. Is the fact that the one of the biggest barriers to change is the incapacity of democracies to manage these global issues. And I don't see it, I don't, the United States, which is, you know, if they started leading on climate, uh, we'd see a lot of change quickly, I suspect. But they are so bereft of hope in terms of their democratic process right now. Is it, I mean, do, do you see that as a first challenge before you can even, or can you just jump past? the inadequacies of democracy as it functions now and go right to these you know citizens juries
1: well the i mean the, so but that is, a, is that is a, a point of democracy though isn't it is going your this democracy is clearly incapable of dealing with this issue it's being captured by the profit-driven interest and it's not it's not going to solve it and so we're not we're not going to wait for it to solve it so we're going to demand a citizens assembly you can actually run these things without the political buy-in um but obviously it's best to have that There is the way i mean i think it happened in taiwan where people just go ahead and do new forms of democracy and at some point the legitimacy shifts so but I, i i think the you know going back to it the the issue really is that willing to confront you know people can sort of sit on their armchairs and be kind of armchair. Uh, nerds like myself and and, and and analyse what's in the way but really again what's I'll say again you know what's in the way of people getting on the streets, staying there and being willing to put their bodies in the way and and, and take the risks around this. And and so to give you an example, if if we were all or many of us really willing to be together and to trust each other and to be in active civil disobedience, I think it's a herding effect. You know, I think so many mm. of us turn and then other people join, you know. Um, the the system has not only does it not have legitimacy it it would cease to have power I mean the the kinds of things people could do is refusing to pay taxes or taking loans from the finance system with no intention of paying it back I mean there's all sorts of possibilities if people are people just have to believe in themselves you know and 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 the thing is you know I wouldn't say things like that on the basis of you know wanting to build the a park in my community or, or, or wishing a certain policy wasn't happening. And we're talking about human existence and we're talking about life on this planet. And we don't know about life anywhere else in the entire known universe. This is it. And we're about to extinguish it and ourselves potentially. We're certainly doing a lot of damage. We already know that.
0: We've no. certainly
1: got a massive, massive catastrophe on our hands. So, no. look folks, you know, this is the deal. What are we going to do about it?
0: Well, do you see any hope in, uh, I, I'm not sure how it is in Britain or the UK, rather. Uh, in the United States, the new Congress has the most number of women uh, ever elected, I guess, in the House of Representatives anyways. And uh, in them, I see a lot of hope because what I saw in Davos uh, a couple of weeks ago really was the biggest turnoff I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, it's sort of like the father knows best oligopoly of thought. And I think we need to change that. And I see hope in women rising up in the current political system.
1: There's, there's definitely uh, a strong aspect for the sisterhood and for the rising feminine, let's say, because, you know, there's a feminine aspect to everybody
0: right. um,
1: in, in Extinction Rebellion. And, um, uh, yeah, women connect into each other, people uh, who are assigned female, bodied people and, and trans folks and, and you know, all of us with our femininity to come forward is is incredibly important. I see, I don't really like this word hope anymore. Like Derek Jensen's take on it, which is, you know, he calls it hopium, I think. Mm. It's just this idea that if we can just, if it's some p- p- place of soothing ourselves that this is okay, you know, like it's not okay. So if you're uh, a man and you're seeing a woman in your life who's, who is, rising and stepping in the power you know get behind her that's the we're we're all we're also taking an active part of this i see a lot of uh excitement and thrill i feel that when i see people like greta thunberg and the school strikes movement taking off um i would just you know anything to animate and support young people because they're the ones that we're truly fucking over at the minute
0: yeah it's absolutely true. One of the most one of the images that has resonated with me personally was you know a woman climbing onto a statue outside of an important building in the u k. If I was from there, I'd probably know which building it was and uh, and and sitting there in defiance of people being dragged away and I, I just really think that if men can see the vulnerable place that we've actually put ourselves in. In the way that women often uh, do uh, naturally, I think we'd be in a much better place. I am tired of uh, white father knows best, man. I'll tell you that much. Um, you mentioned and hope, they, and they have
1: their—you know—they have their place. Mark. you know, it's just—it's a place. It's not to be in charge. But, by the way, <laughs> on our, on, 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 our, on our absolutely. Own There's day.
0: No, no argument here.
1: On on, on our on our opening day, I kind of faked gluing myself to a building because I really want I didn't really fancy the glue and I uh, wanted to nip to the loo. Nobody seemed to notice. it's Quite funny, but it it could be me and who you've got a new image because I sort of climbed up onto the onto the door of this building and and sprayed some anti fracking slogans and um, (laughs) sit there swinging my legs because actually such a it's we call it peaceful mischief. There's um there's a joy in your heart that I am not doing that. To just be you know annoying and like a teenager who's out of control or something right. and I'm doing that because um, I, I, I care and, and, and I'm not putting up with it anymore um, but um, to, 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 to speak about the you know the women I, th- I, I think also there's another piece in here which I would call eldership and the, we, and the brief time we got to look at each other I'm guessing you're an elder and I think that that piece also uh, balancing the, the youth energies is, is really needed. like what have people learned? what can you hold? It might not be as dynamic and as running around, but it's got wisdom there and I think our um, Western civilization I say that with pain in my voice, does um, <laughs> does not honor, the, does not honor yep. old, older people. Yeah. you know and I think for older people to really step into their eldership. Um, you know you've got nothing to lose as well you know I'm 46 right but and none of us know how we're here for but the older you get you know there's the a place of really stepping into quiet de- you know an unquiet defiance I don't know the client the elders but you know a kind of dignified defiance maybe is what I'm trying to say or whatever way it manifests for that person you know like the box anybody in
0: yeah yeah well uh, the challenges are enormous and, uh, and, and needs people from all ages. I remember in one of your presentations reading about, uh, I think it was teenagers uh, in um, Serbia maybe, uh, where they were uh, doing graffiti and, uh, and getting rewarded for their social activism through graffiti. But uh, I think there's got to be ways to, to go across uh, mm. the different ages and, uh, and I think this is the challenge of the age. I, I
1: mean, I think I think so. That the, the, the piece, if if you did that piece of graffiti, the story goes, you you, you had to do ten um, revolutionary fists on the wall to to get in the movement. So you weren't couldn't just be a talker; you had to be a doer. And then you'd get a T-shirt. Um, if you once you've got your first arrest and then if you've got 10 rests you got a black t-shirt and everybody thought you were sexy and wanted to sleep with you you know <laughs> kind of uh, there was a real built-in reward systems in there yeah. but i mean i think I, you know i am uh, making myself laugh these days quoting my friend jamie to fry I'm on on this one um to, to sort of step back a bit because we can talk all about challenges and where this energy might come from and so on but when you look at humanity and human beings, and we're all, you know, you can look at it for yourself as individuals and friends and our collective and our, our nations and our uh, the entire world. And there is just something so incredible and beautiful and wonderful about humanity and what dicks we're all behaving like. You know, we've sort of got ourselves in this collective mess. And my, the way my friend Jamie says it is this, if we've got a... Violin in front of us, and we're banging it with a spoon. You know that's as good as we've come up with. And like, frankly, we stop banging it with a spoon, and uh, and figure something else out, like picking it up and making some beautiful music together. Or I don't think there's going to be many of us left. You know. Yeah. These- a few thousand humans living living at the Arctic, you know so so the prize is high folks you know it's a and that can be really exciting i mean what an adventurous time to live in <laughs> you know don't get i only get stressed about the number of emails that I i get but you we don't, we don't need to get stressed about the no. challenge let's just rise to it you know
0: no well there's a lot of lifestyle changes i think that people would actually be happy with that could reduce the stress on on climate and on biodiversity and in fact on inequality so uh, you guys have inspired me and I think you're inspiring uh, millions of people around the world and I think that the consciousness raising is happening and and I think we'll probably see a lot more coordination and uh, consolidation in the future of, of all the great works that you are doing. I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time talking with me today.
1: No, you're really welcome. You missed the confrontation out there, hon. <laughs> Get on <Yeah>. the street <laughs> and enjoy. <laughs> that
0: that, that says up, something
1: about my I'm, I'm
0: <laughs> Irish-Canadian. Irish you, th- you think I would do that and I played ice hockey for 32 years. You, you would think that, that that would come naturally. Yes, the confrontation and in all the joyous ways that that can take place, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, thanks again, Gail, and best best to you, and I hope we can stay in touch. Today, we've been speaking with Gail Bradbrook. She's the co-founder of the Extinction Rebellion. If you want more information about the rebellion, you can go to rebellion.earth, where you can sign up, uh, you can donate, uh, and you can learn a little bit more about ways in which you can participate in the rebellion. You can follow them on Twitter, at ExtinctionR, that's a capital R, I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, host of The Sustainable Century. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked it. If you did, I encourage you to check out the Sustainable Century blog at thesustainablecentury.net. Remember to click like in all the right places. Better yet, pass the blog or pass the pod along. And remember, it's up to you. It's up to us to make this a happier and healthier world.